Chapter 3 Into the Mirror As soon as Beowulf hit the bloody water, they grabbed him. The water boiled with furred backs and fins, tusks, teeth, and tentacles. They dragged him down and tried to tear at him, but his mail shirt protected him. Their tusks would surely have impaled him, but for the shirt. Yet without any form of under-armor padding, the rings bit cruelly into his flesh. His blood trailed in a cloud behind him as he went downward. He was not interested in resisting them. He wanted to go down. Down even farther than they wanted to drag him. And so he accepted the free ride down, until the downward yank started to slow. Kicking free, Beowulf continued downward, somehow using the single mighty breath and swimming for hours until he could dimly see the bottom. Because the bottom was clearly where he was headed, scanning for an opening of some kind, to a den or cave. But then, the she-wolf of the sea, the enraged mother of Grendel, burst from hiding, grabbed Beowulf, and dragged him off toward her lair. As she did, a second torrent of enormous sea-snakes and deep-sea creatures with twisted teeth, stiff stings, and groping tentacles bit and stung at him and tried to crush him. Some creatures with teeth-like tusks tore at his mail coat and popped some of the rings apart so it flapped in the current, partly torn open. Grendel's mother would not give up her prize, though, and clutched him tight and swam hard. And Beowulf, battered and hard-throttled, knew that even with his ability to hold his breath, he would need a second breath now, or he would die. His brain screamed for fresh oxygen to deal with everything that was going on and what was to come. But he breathed in only a lungful of chill water, and he began to drown. Soon, they broke through into a place below the sea where there somehow was no water. Beowulf coughed and choked and vomited up seawater in a cathedral-like space with a rough-hewn, arched, vaulting ceiling and a golden glow. Grendel's mother stood before him, shaped vaguely like a bloated human woman, but twisted in her proportions and larger than human, though not as large as her late son. A jagged knife, almost the size of a sword, was tucked into the waist of the shift she wore. Beowulf tried not to speculate as to what kind of skin her clothing was fashioned from. All he knew for sure was that Beowulf's mother's dress had a nipple that was not her own. Beowulf was lying down, and Grendel's mother was standing on moldering weed-encrusted treasure. Gems glinted, and the rusting hafts of axes and swords projected. Many of these weapons looked as if they had been crafted for people larger than regular human beings. Being female and smaller, Beowulf expected that Grendel's mother would not be as strong as her offspring had been, though Grendel had certainly been strong enough. Somehow, in all that had transpired, Beowulf had not lost his grip on unfirst jeweled-stained falchion hunting. With a watery growl, he raised it two-handed now, planted his feet, and smashed downward with it at her head. It hit her solidly, across the top of the head, glancing off. It did not bite into her skull, though with the force of the swing and the craftsmanship of the blade, it should by rights have cloven her head in twain completely. It simply rebounded off as if Beowulf had struck an apple with a trout. Having taken his best cut at her with the weapon, the Yetish prince threw the apparently useless weapon to one side in disgust and prepared to grapple with the scrabbling, long-fingered child of Cain the way he had wrestled with her son. Grendel's mother retained her knife. She tried to snatch him up again, 
and Beowulf gripped her by the shoulder and threw her onto the floor, making sure she struck her sword-proof head hard on the way down. This enraged the creature, and she squealed and howled and leapt back up and did exactly the same thing to the it. Before he could do anything, Beowulf was grabbed by the shoulder, flung to the floor, hitting his head, and before he could spring back up, Grendel's mother sat on him. Beowulf struggled, but he was almost entirely enveloped by her monstrous rubbery gray buttocks. And as he struggled, she drew her outsized knife, held it high in both hands, and brought it flashing down at the middle of his struggling back where his male corselet was rent. Beowulf managed to squirm unheroically to one side, so an intact portion of his once glorious mail shirt stopped the blade from doing more than prick his skin through the mail and smash its iron rings into the soft tissue of his back. The blow hurt him, but it did not cut him. The bleeding it caused was strictly internal. As accomplished a wrestler as had ever lived, Beowulf used the force of Grendel's mother's attack to throw her off balance, and when she raised the blade again for a second desperate death blow, he used leverage to add energy to her upward movement to topple her backward off him. Beowulf leapt back and, in desperation, grabbed at the handle of a sword that was hanging on the wall like a trophy of special importance. It was a sword few other men could have raised from the ground. It was longer than Beowulf was tall, and very wide as well, with two edges. It was gold-handled, with runes and engravings all over it. It looked unimaginably ancient, but there was no rust on it. Beowulf took it off the wall, planning at the least to use it to block the blows of the large knife, even if the giant sword did not bite Grendel's mother's flesh. Seeing him grasping this enormous weapon from her trove, Grendel's mother rushed at Beowulf, shrieking and hooting, clashing her long teeth together, her large knife outstretched to slash at him. Planting his feet, Beowulf swung wildly. The weight of the sword was such that it overbalanced him, sending him stumbling forward half a step, but as the blade moved in its painfully slow arc, it smashed Grendel's mother's knife from her hand, knocked her arm out of the way, and clove deeply into her neck, shattering its bones. She toppled sideways to the ground in a heap, head hanging on only by a scrap of shoulder muscle. A foot twitched spasmodically and was then still. Carrying the weighty sword with him, steaming and dripping, Beowulf moved toward the back of the enormous underwater room, noting it was fully half as large as Heyrot itself. On a table in the back, the body of Grendel, his torn arm lying beside it, was laid out tenderly in deathly repose. Beowulf snarled at the sight, and with one blow took off Grendel's head too. He grabbed the creature's head by its sparse hair to take with him as evidence of the purification of Herod when he noticed something. The giant blade was getting lighter. The blood of Grendel and his mother dripped from the steaming blade still, but besides this the blade was itself dripping. Like an icicle in the sun on a hot day, the sword slowly but steadily melted an eldritch swordsicle. The hot dark blood of the Grendelkin smoked and smoldered on the blade and on the sandy floor. Beowulf watched this happen until the entire blade melted and only the hilt of the massive weapon remained intact. 